The views and opinions discussed on this show are of the guests and host. They do not reflect the views or opinions of associated sponsors or affiliates. Sudden alteration in belief systems, moodiness, and confusion are natural side effects of listening to this podcast. Enjoy at your own risk. It's the odd, odd, odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. Mysteries, ghosts, monsters, and lore. East Coast Esoterica and so much more. If it's up to you, friend, it's on the up to you, found line. <laughs> Back to the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Before we start with tonight's guest, I really want to talk about our sponsor. Are you having a near-death experience with your audio? Are things just not working out or connecting? Are you really struggling to sound, well, like you're in a studio, but you can't really go to a studio? Guys, our sponsors, Accusize, they've been by our side now for many years, making me sound so much better and smarter than I truly am. And I'm so grateful that they continue to sponsor this show. And rightfully so. They've got the easiest way to edit audio ever. You know, I kind of talk about some of the plugins they have. One of the main plugins I have that I really, really like is their ability to take echo out of a room. Let's say you got an audio file and it's a bit echoey maybe you're playing the drums and you maybe a little bit too crazy like animal from the muppets you're a little bit too echoey this will actually remove it with a simple turn of a knob and the best thing about accusonis is that not only is it simple but it works with anything you already have if you got garage band audacity pretty much anything out there it will work with guys check them out in the show notes accusonis thank you so much for sponsoring the show and we'll continue on with our guest our guest is a very interesting one, and I got to admit, I got selfish reasons for having him on the show, because I've had my own near-death experience, as you guys already know, in the last couple of years. He's the vice president and founder of Forever Family Foundation, which you guys can visit at www.foreverfamilyfoundation.org. He also has a blog called www.beyondthefivesenses.com. He's been featured in the Surviving Death docuseries on Netflix. He's also the author of two great books, The Medium Explosion and my life here and there. I'll be sure to make sure those connections are made, so to speak, in the show notes for all you guys. I'm so happy to have Robert Ginsburg on my show tonight. Robert, how you doing? I'm doing great. And how are you doing today? I tell you, I got to catch my breath after all that. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It was kind of... It- it was a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but you know what? I love it. I got to give credit where credit is due, and you've got some really interesting work there. I mean, all you had to do was almost die to really appreciate it, right? <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. We're talking near-death experiences, but before we get into that, I got to know a little bit about who you are and where you're from and, and what's going on. <laughs> who exactly is Robert Ginsburg, and how, how did this all come about is my favorite question to yeah. ask. Well, you know, actually um, – if we were to have this conversation 22 years ago, uh, it would be quite different because I was a typical left brain thinker. I didn't believe in life after death. I was unaware of 
all the things that we talk about, you know, mediums and near-death experiences and the life experiences, you know, reincarnation. You know, I thought it was all a fantasy, you know, like believing in Santa Claus. Um, and then uh, my life changed. Uh, I had a tragedy when my wife, uh, uh, my daughter passed. And uh, a lot of things kept happening uh, in terms of after-death communications and so forth. But I dismissed them. And for seven, eight years, I became intrigued. And I started traveling across the country, meeting with medical doctors and scientists that studied the mind and the brain and consciousness. And I wanted to learn if there was any credible evidence that we were indeed more than our physical bodies and that our consciousness or a soul or a mind or whatever you choose to call it, you know, moves on, you know, just to, to a different dimension. So, you know, eventually it took seven or eight years, but I came convinced by the evidence and now I'm a very different place than, you know, than I was. Man, what a, what a, just an absolute parallel to my own life to really connect there. Cause I, I started paranormal investigating, you know, about 10 years ago and I was an atheist walking into that. I was the wet blanket telling people, no, this stuff isn't real. And then after about seven years, I had no choice but to stop because I could no longer remain objective. I, I could really relate to you on that. And uh, it's funny how it works. The most diehard, do not believe type people, they end up being believers sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, the, the path you have is, is similar to my own. Some of my own and, and many other people's out there as well. It's unfortunate that such a tragedy had to befall you and your family, though, to in order to experience that. Um, I could really see your quote unquote why as to everything you do now very, very clearly. And uh, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate your hard work, Robert. I really do. Tell well, me thank little, you. I appreciate that. Tell me a little tiny yeah, bit about the Forever Family Foundation. And what exactly is it about? Like what is what is the purpose of this? I, I believe you're trying to kind of meet science and spirituality together, yes? Exactly. Uh, you know, so we're, we're, you know, I like to say we're a science-based organization. And on our, you know, we have a scientific advisory board, you know, made up of all MDs and, and PhDs. And we have an academic advisory board. And you know, we also have a medium advisory board, you know. So it's kind of a, a you know, unusual and well, what we want to do, we're not looking to convince anybody. We just want to open minds by presenting the evidence that that's out there. Uh, you know, that's why I was happy with the Netflix series, because although there were some parts of it I didn't you know, quite enjoy, the rest of it was good. And it it opened minds to possibilities just to think. And and, and also, you know, people like myself that are baby boomers that are now aging starting to question their own mortality you know is it possible that they they survived uh, the physical death um you know there's usually a progression i find that there are a lot of people if you ask them if they believe in an afterlife they'll say yes but what they're really saying is that they hope there's an afterlife you know maybe their religion tells them so or the media cultural influences but they never really saw any evidence and sometimes that that hope turns into belief and then if you have some sort of a profound experience like you did like a near-death experience 
or you're just simply totally convinced by the evidence that could move that belief can move to a knowing where you don't question anymore. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that was such a beautiful, I interrupted it, Robert. That was so beautiful yeah, what you yeah. said just then. You pretty much just encapsulated faith. Like nobody really has faith until they've, you know, had an experience. Everyone is, as a, usually when it comes to religion in particular, people are mostly scholars on the issue, you know, read your good book. Yeah. Until you have a, a confrontation, until something actually happens, man, I don't really believe you can be a believer. I really don't. And uh, that was just such a – I hate to interrupt you, but that was such a beautiful way you worded that. It was so perfect. It was – you had a profound experience and now you understand there's more than what's before you. And and I'm telling you right now, after my own – I already had that belief anyway as a paranormal investigator. I had it already. I know there's something there. So when I had my NDE, it just kind of reaffirmed the really the shortness of your life here. <laughs> like, there's definitely a um, a feeling of urgency to do the things that I, I need to do while my time on this earth is still available. And, and, you know, it's part of the grieving process for sure. How do you guys help others when it comes to bereavement? Well, you know, we, we, as a matter of fact, I just got back. We had our uh, grief retreat. We have four grief retreats per year in different parts of the United States. And what we do with these retreats is we have mediums uh, that have been certified by our foundation. Um, I could tell you what that's about. But, you know, we, we have uh, grief professionals. We have metaphysical practitioners. I usually like to get somebody who had a near-death experience because I think that perspective is very important. And what we notice is that there's, there's, a, there's a dramatic difference in the people when they walk in on Friday and they, a lot of people have such heavy grief and they can't smile and, and, and they barely want to talk. And by the time we leave on Sunday night, there's a lightness and, you know, some renewed hope and, and meaning. And that's, you know, that's wonderful. So, so basically what we do is we just provide you know, information, um, and we hope that people will share experiences they they have. I mean, a lot of people have dream visitations, or they have synchronicities or after-death communications, but they keep it to themselves. You know, they have a fear that they're going to be labeled or judged, and if you, if you present them with a safe environment where people are, are open to such, you know, discussion, uh, you know, it's amazing. So as more and more people begin to share their experiences with others, the, the mainstream uh, thought will change and then we can possibly change the way that we think about death. Absolutely. You know, I had this, even though I had a, a little bit of like a, you know, we, we talk about the mustard seed of faith where it's, yeah, I think there's something to it, but we really don't know. Until I had my own NDE, it was like, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, there was something, but now when I, it almost like pulled the curtain back, pulled the veil back, so to speak, just a little bit, and just how vibrant and beautiful things are, well, over there. So when I say over there, I mean the other side. So let's talk a little tiny bit about that. You talk about, um, you know, basically all these mediums who you kind of vetted yourself which I think is an awesome thing because most people just jump on the first meeting they see. <laughs> if they have a great experience, wonderful. If they have a bad one, they're usually turned off. Um, tell me a little tiny bit about you know that grief transformation and that nature there. Like there's definitely 
more to meets the eye. It's a special kind of medium, I think, that you guys have. In a nutshell, is what I'm trying to say. Um, sounds like yeah, you know, a very special person has know, to be the there. The first, the first, the first thing that I noticed when I started doing this work is that there were a lot of mediums that simply weren't any good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in my medium explosion book, I, I stated that. 85 to 90 percent of the practicing mediums today can't do what they claim and and that was based upon my own research um and everything else that i that i've observed and encountered now, that, that that didn't make me very popular with the medium community uh but I, but i didn't write the book to discredit mediums i just wanted to show that there are 10 to 15 percent of mediums that are truly gifted and have that ability and you know, if somebody gets a really evidential, specific, you know, uh, medium reading, it could totally change their 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 grief, you know, uh, you know, and trans- transform it. Um, and uh, you know, it's very powerful. But on the other hand, if if especially if you're on the fence about whether it is an afterlife, and you go to a medium and you get a crappy reading, which is you know general bullshit, uh, you it has the opposite effect. You walk away from there saying, "Oh, this is just baloney," and you know, there's no such thing. So mediums play a they have a great responsibility. So what we started doing is. I had the help of several scientists that study mediumship in, at various universities, and they helped me design my own evaluation process. And we, we've been doing it since 2005. Um, so that's what, uh, 19 years. And in 19 years, I think we've certified 27 or 28 mediums. You know, that's, that's just over one medium per year. <laughs> so, you know, uh, if we, if we evaluate 10 mediums, maybe one will pass. So it's, and nobody's going to pass our process without being, you know, a, an extremely good evidential medium. So, you know, it's important work. Um, and, you know, people need a reliable resource to turn, you know, mediumship, they, you know, they're not mental health professionals, but they're sitting with people in grief. And there are no, there's no certification process. There's no licensing. There's no oversight. There's no continuing, continuing education. So, you know, you can open up and here in this country, you could just put up a sign on your house saying, you know, I'm, I'm Johnny the medium and, and <laughs> start charging people. And, you know, times are tough. I'm contem- and, times are tough here in Canada. I'm yeah. contemplating it, man. I really am. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, you can do it. If nothing else, you can give some insight into what the afterlife is. I'm telling you right now, though, I can really relate to you because it, with, when it comes to vetting people, because I'm just, I'm well, I, I'll say what I am. I'm an electronic voice phenomenon researcher. It's what I did for seven years here. All field research, going to the haunted locations, doing like four or five investigations a week at the same location, trying to get that repeatable data. Everyone said, man, this is so boring. We don't want anything to do with this. I'm like, no, this is the real deal. This is how you try to make it as scientific as possible, get that repeatable data, prove to people that there really is something to electronic voice phenomena. And I can really relate to you because I know that a lot of what I see online is gobbledygook, much like the bad mediums, right? So it's – yeah, I can definitely relate. But I got to pick your brain yeah. on electronic voice phenomena now. I owe it to myself. I got to say it because I noticed it on your website. I was like, oh, well, we got something we can talk about here. 
What is your experience with electronic voice phenomena? Now, for anybody out there who is not aware of that, that is voices basically caught on recorder somehow, whether it's through, you know, instrumentation or actual just recorder by itself that should not be there. Like we're thinking these are the ghost's voice or spirit's voice or whatever you want to call it. Um, what is your what is your take on that? Is there any NDEs you can relate to it or anything like that? I'm just really curious. Well, you know, what's intriguing about EVP, electronic voice phenomena, is that you can get ev evidence using your own five senses. You could hear the recording. You know, that's you didn't read read about it in the book. You know, it just just happens. So, and as you mentioned, you turn just simply turn on a recorder, and sometimes people can try it for years and not get anything. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, sudden that they they do. I also think that certain people are acting as as mediums when they t try to collect EVPs because um, some people seem to get it on a regular basis and, and, and some don't. I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, my wife passed three years ago and, and after she passed, uh, there's one of our certified mediums that, as a hobby, you know, had apples in EVP research. And she was quite friendly with my wife. And she called me up. And she said, Bob, would you mind that I do weekly sessions with EVP? And um, I'd like to pose seven questions to Fran, you know, my wife in spirit, um, and see what we get. And I'll send you the audio files. And some of the files, as, as you alluded to, or some of the voice recordings are not intelligible. Um, and so they have very little, little evidentiary, uh, evidentiary uh, you know, weight. But others are, are very clear. I used to take EVPs, and we used to run these afterlife discussion groups, and I used to play it um, for people in the group. You know, a lot of people make the argument that it's just our own minds trying to make sense of, of nothing you know there's there's a term you know pareidolia where our brains are hardwired to to make sense out of you know things that that appear to be incoherent but if i play the recording and there are 10 people in the room and i ask people to independently write down what they heard and if all 10 heard the same thing right it's hard to argue that it's just you know everybody's brain can't work exactly the same way you'd love to go so, so the interest you'd love to go go something with me yeah, well, i literally did that with 10 people <laughs> in real time yeah. and I was like okay guys what do you hear <laughs> yeah and uh, so, so so what's interesting is that this this, this medium um she sends me a recording and she said to my wife, what is the name of the organization that you founded? And you hear, you know, faintly but clearly Forever Family Foundation. Um, and then another time it happened to be my birthday and, and, and the message, you know, the question was, do you have a message for Bob? And then I heard happy birthday, oh. you know, so I had personal you know evidence which of course made me feel great because i heard it you know so i i think that evp is 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 really significant and as you mentioned we don't really know the process by which they can imprint their voices but what's interesting is that the voices are never heard live while they happen they they only appear on playback and i don't know the reason for that but just just a fact i think fact. there's rules i think you know in my own i honestly think there's rules to this i think there's rules over there and i think they had to follow them they cannot interfere with the living to the point where we are 100 percent 
convinced that there's an afterlife because then we would not live by faith. I really do think that's the issue. I think like you're absolutely right. It very rarely is in real time. You might feel something in real time, but very rarely do you hear it. Some of the greatest EVPs I have ever captured were answers to questions that were open-ended with multiple words. They're audible to the ear. They're intelligently communicated, and they're in direct response to my question. They're in direct response to a stimulus sometimes in the environment. Like I'm telling you, like there's mm-hmm. really something to that. And I, I really got stuck on EVP, like to the point where everything else just disappeared. I'm like, I got to prove this is the real deal. And I had enough. After six or seven years, I was like, man, like I just – I can't go any further than this. It got to the point where I started mapping out where this stuff was coming from in a room. I was putting recorders on a ceiling with a grid pattern, trying to capture the the EVPs. Remember, repeatable data in the same room three years. Like I, I really did my homework on this. And I can show you that this is an emergent phenomenon, that it's actually coming from a small area in a room. It's not necessarily coming from the person either, right? It's interesting too. Like I really do believe that if you're open to this stuff, it's going to start happening to you anyway. It's like, do you ever meet someone like right away and you're like, oh yeah, this person, yeah, they're they're involved with this stuff very heavily. <laughs> Just by talking to them for like five minutes. And then once you talk, talk, they realize like they're pretty much a magnet for this stuff. Why, why do you think so many people have um, that paranormal, so to speak, magnetism about them? Do you, do you think there's a reason for that? Are they a beacon to the other side? What's What's going on there? I, I mean, it's a good question, and I wish I had an answer, but I don't. You know, just just why why do some people like mediums, you know, get information and others don't? Why do people get all sorts of after death communications and signs and 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 others don't? Um, you know, we hear that all the time. There appears to be some sort of with some people a resonance. I mean. People talk about frequency, and you know, and then they run the the same frequency as the person in spirit is able to lower their frequency, and the, and the person in the physical world is able to raise their vibrations and frequency, and there's there's a match that hits. Um, you know, it's that sometimes even in a mediumship reading, there has to be some sort of a synchronous a resonance between the person in spirit, the sitter, the person getting the reading. And the medium, and if and if that's out of whack, it doesn't occur. And the same thing maybe with EVP. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know why some people are more receptive than others. When you find out, let me know. <laughs> I did my best, and all I could do was tell you that it's an emergent phenomena. It's coming from somewhere else, yeah. and someday it will no longer be pseudoscience. I really do feel once the military finds a way to make money off this and kill people with it, they'll be all about it. <laughs> It'll be a science. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's, inter- it's interesting that you say that because in remote viewing, which I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with, of course, uh, our own our own CIA, you know, started the Stargate program during the Cold War with the Russians, you know, and they and they found um, these incredible remote viewers, and they would give them just a simple attitude and longitude. Of, of of strategic sites and they would ask the remote viewer to send their consciousness and view that site and, and draw you know f- make drawings of, of what they saw and incredible accuracy and 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 time but um meant nothing so past present and future all came into play i mean i've done my own remote viewing experiments over the years and you know it's it's quite incredible because it shows that our our consciousness, our mind 
can extend beyond the physical brain. And if that happens, that, then belief in life after death is, is not so far-fetched. It's logical, you know, because the brain is no more, you know, the receiver is damaged, but the signal, you know, still goes on. So it, it's... Um, all these things that we're talking about are interrelated. There's a common denominator that we need to discover that allows all these things to occur. A journey that transcends time and space indeed. My life here and there. What uh, what a read this is going to be. I can't wait to get it on my Kindle. Okay, I'm, I'm going to check this out for sure. And and only because, only because I can relate to you so much in my own journey. And uh, you know, one of the interesting things you had in the in the in the little spiel about the book actually is the prospect of an afterlife has been pondered since the dawn of man. It's one of the great mysteries of life, but there is clarity if one digs deep. I mean, you might as well put that on a tattoo and put it on my forehead. <laughs> you know, and and it really goes back to this idea too. Like, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Like, you're thinking about someone, and suddenly they call you on the phone. You know, you're you're out in traffic. And you realize that you had to stop and pet your cat for 30 seconds in your driveway before you left. And then you see the accident up ahead you, up ahead of you. If you had been 30 seconds, you know, a little bit earlier, so to speak, you would have been one hit. You know, there's no such thing as a coincidence, I really don't think. Do you really feel like we all have a path that's kind of laid out for us somewhere? Or do you feel like we're more kind of like the ocean? Everyone's just kind of floating around. Well, you know, I, I have my own theory on that, and when I differ from many of my colleagues and certainly a lot of people in the in the spiritual communities, that I don't believe that our lives are planned. I believe that this physical existence is random, but it's it's random by design of a, of a greater design. It sounds like a contradiction in terms, but I think that this one little blip in a continuum of life is designed so that things just happen. And it's how we react to these obstacles and things that that are that occur that helps us when we move on. So I do think that there are, you know, coincidences, but many, many things that happen, as you alluded to, are not, you know, the, the coincidence, the synchronistic um things that come together you can say by the universe you can say by a, a designer or, or but clearly um they happen and, and like you said you know people make decisions sometimes very very simple seemingly meaningless decisions and they can reverberate throughout the universe and change the course of events so so i think that our futures are are not Land. I think there's a there may like a tree. There may be many different pathways and branches that you could take. So I caution people not to make life decisions based upon psychic information because free will dominates and can change that. And you take another fork and root. So it, it it's um, you know it, it it is complicated. And I think that certainly psychic intuition and esp and telepathy uh, are used by us in various degrees by all people every day you know who knows where our thoughts come from you know our thoughts may not most thoughts if you talk to great artists and inventors and and you know and poets and writers over time they'll tell you that 
that came to them in dreams, the ideas or, or, or some idea popped in their head. Are those ideas generated by electrochemical synapses that fire in our brain? Or are we receive our brains receivers of information from the universe? It, you know, these, these are deep questions. You know, we've only got a few minutes left. We've talked at length. Yeah. This has been a wonderful interview, but I got to ask the most compelling question for all the listeners out there. And I try to ask this of anybody who has truly been on a digging deep, so to speak, journey. What is the most compelling data slash evidence you have that there really is an afterlife? What is the most compelling thing you've seen yourself? All right. I'll, I'll preface that by saying that I can make an argument against all these forms of evidence and research, but when you step back and examine the, the data on a whole, you know, the ex explanation, explanation of survival of death makes the most sense. What personally I think is the most compelling evidence is from near-death experiences because you, you have people that, I don't have to tell you, but they meet every de definition of death. You know, they have no heartbeat, they have no respiration, they have no brain waves, they have no reflexes. Medical science says they're dead. And yet they come back with um, descri describing experiences that were realer than real. And and in many things such as um, leaving their body, you know, their mind, their consciousness leaves their body. They could view their body. Many times they're in an operating room, see what's going on. There are cases of people that have been blind, sightless since birth, and yet they come back and describe all the colors and all the equipment and everything that went on in the room. And they, you know, they describe clear and logical thinking. How is that possible when you when your mind, uh, when your brain is compromised or dead for all you know, purposes? Um, so, you know, I think that to me remains the most compelling form of evidence and that's why it's important for people like you to talk about these things. So, you know, to let people know. And absolutely. Guys, awesome. A great, great example. The floating above the body type thing. And, uh, you know, we've heard that story from a lot of people. You know, it's funny. We talk about repeatable data in science. And yet here we are. How many people have said they've had that happen to them and that they can see what people are doing in the room? It, it just blows my mind. Guys, his name is Robert Ginsburg. He's the vice president founder of Forever Family Foundation. You guys can check that out at www.foreverfamilyfoundation.org. His blog is www.beyondthefivesenses.com, which I think is such a cool name. He's been featured in the Surviving Death docuseries on Netflix. Okay, you guys should check that out. And he's the author of The Medium Explosion, as well as My Life Here and There. Guys, check him out. All those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on, Robert. Really appreciate it. Thank you for opening my mind even wider than what it was before about the afterlife. Thank you, Johnny. It was my pleasure to be with you. Attention all Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio listeners. The Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast brings you the best in East Coast esoterica on the first of every month. Together, we can keep it growing by sharing the show on social media, subscribing to the show wherever you may be listening to it from, and by leaving feedback about your favorite episodes. John certainly needs a friend like you to help make his dreams come true. Minus the alien abduction dreams. That is not cool at all. The Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Always available. Always free. Always odd.